welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Lars Mara. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. Another episode of the Fishers of Men podcast brought to you by us at So Much Media. Today we are recording out of Mary Ashley's living room again. We are going to sit down and talk with our friend Maylin too. Maylin, can you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Like you said, my name is Maylin, and uh, <laughs> I live here in LA. I work in post production. I also do writing, social media, and blogging. Yeah. Great. Um, so Mary Ashley, you and I wanted to bring Maylin onto this podcast. Um, actually the week before this is airing, we had Paul on our podcast talking a little bit about gender roles and complementarianism and egalitarianism. And I thought it would be a great contrast to have Maylin come on and talk about just the Christian feminists and what does that mean? And can you tell us a little bit about your story? Because I know that we have been talking about this topic. And so, Maylin, uh, we wanted to bring you on and talk a little bit about the Christian feminists. And there's so much stigma around what that means. And obviously, we're all equal, but like, what does that mean within the church? And when you have issues of equality, there's always chance that people are going to take it to extremes. And even within the church, we've seen its abuses as well. Um, Complementarity. You- Yes, <laughs> complementarianism. <laughs> People take take it to extremes, and then yeah, man, um, taking equality to extremes. <laughs> yeah, what's it's a, a yeah it's a harsh reality right there. Oh, anyway, I could see sorry, that. I could see you any any side you can. Well, there take are yeah, there definitely are yeah. people in the church. Like I was talking with my friend last night, and she said she met this guy who who just told her, "Well, feminism is intrinsically evil." And she was like, okay, really? Like, like, and that's just, that's his belief. Like, that it's just intrinsically evil. Everything that comes from it is evil. There is no good to it. And she was like, okay, well, um, we're not really going to be friends. So, yeah, I mean, but, you know, it wasn't. Well, I mean, okay, just taking, again, another extreme of, like, if everyone's equal, you get something like uh, communism. Right, like everybody yeah. has to be equal. So I think there there could be a and, on yeah. Any so that's the sca- the, the fear of like yeah. erasing all differences and like sure. erasing even what God has created in us. I think is is the fear. I I don't know. Sure, but maybe we can have intrinsically evil feminist guy on <laughs> <laughs> fo- to ask him why he thinks that. Because uh, I don't fo- I don't know if you just like went to Reddit and like read some of the comments. I think I feel like it would be basically the same effect. <laughs> right. You're like, all right, that's all right. true. I'm Here's good. An, an hour of reading comments from Reddit. Uh, that was uplifting and helpful. Um, no, I mean, yeah, it's weird because even I, I don't think I've really been in a place where I feel like being a Christian, and being a feminist, are really in conflict with each other. Uh, so it is kind of weird to be like even to listen to this podcast and, and hear people talking about feminism like it's some sort of like other ideology is odd to me because I just don't think of myself as being other. I don't think of myself as being this like niche belief system uh, where like you're a feminist, like give us five reasons why kind of thing. Not that's mm-hmm. what you're doing, but you know, when I was in college, one of the first things one of my professors did was he said, he was like, he, he was like, okay, raise your hand if you're a feminist. And, like, maybe one or two people raise their hands, and he's like, you know what, feminism is a belief that men and women are equal, so every single person in this room should have raised their hands. Mm -hmm. And I understand the point that he was trying to make with that, is that there's this stigma to feminism, and and there is, and like you're saying, maybe especially in Christianity, but I feel like the stigma is really just misogyny in a different Mm -hmm. form, and it's it, it just, it strikes me, because I feel like so often it's like, writing as a woman and writing as someone who uh, writes about feminist issues so often I feel I felt like or feel like I felt like I have to preface it like by the way I don't hate men oh by the way I have a boyfriend mm. oh by the way like I'm heterosexual <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're cute you know <laughs> and and it seems odd to me because 
there's so much uh, misogynistic language out there. Just you know, online, obviously, it's very common. I feel like I've I've read very few rants that I felt were were um, evil or very man hating in the way that I've read. But I've read so many things that were so misogynistic, so hateful, just oozing just like absolute hatred and it's been directed at women and yet why do you know as a woman i'm like oh by the way like i have guy friends you know like like, i have to i have to like apologize every (laughs) single time like oh by the way like i'm attracted to guys you know it's like why why do i have to do that i feel like it's just why did you apologize for yourself yeah why do Mm -hmm. i have to apologize for my beliefs and and i don't hear guys you know right before they make a, a sexist comment they're not like oh by the way like I women are great. Women. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm married. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Anyway. I mean, we had, we had Marshall James mm-hmm. uh, in episode 15 a few, a couple months ago, and he was really great, you know, yeah. because I'm not coming from necessarily a Christian belief system, but like he definitely was about like empowering women because there's this need to, like you saying, it's like, why why is that stigma there that we have to apologize for ourselves to want to be empowered, to want to be on equal footing with men? But yet, here we are, 2016, and it's still happening. I've, I've been reading reports or just hearing things of, like, even now, like, women are still not getting as paid as much as men. And, you know, that's a small example of, like, a... a well, women are also getting killed in the streets and you know like there's there's just like a very broad spectrum well i'm just saying societally like as small as something even like a salary it's just like there's that and then there's of course then religious extremism extremism and then there's all sorts of myriad on the spectrum of what does that mean to like want to empower women and to want women to feel equal and I think that there is this tension within the church because, as we were talking in Paul about the complementarianism, there is very much a misunderstanding, I feel like, on a lot of people's sides, you know, complementarian or not. There is still people that are, are not really sure about, like, what all that means. Hmm. Um, but I, I would love for us to talk about that because I think it's just about us clearing the air about, I say I'm a feminist, what does that mean? You know, you hear like Jesus was a feminist, you know, and like, so what does that really mean? Because again, there are so many different levels of what that means to somebody and how somebody values labeling themselves or not even like the pride of labeling themselves, but just talking about Mm. feminism generally, because you hear that. And then there's like this automatic reaction somehow um, for everybody, you know, and it's either good or it's bad. I would love to hear, again, just a little bit about your story, Maylene, like the context in which you have formed these opinions, beliefs, however you want to say, your worldview, because as a valued person of society, you know, we want to learn more about what that means for people that might be on the other side of this issue. The fact that it's even an issue, it's, like, so funny. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, I believe that women are equal, too, but, you know, but, so when we talk about controversy and we talk about why should I have to defend myself, but, like, what does that really mean, like, in your yeah, world, I mean, personally? so, I mean, my, sto- my story, I guess, you know, I'm a Christian, and I've been, for a long time, I was raised Christian, but it was only when I moved to L.A., probably, like, six years ago, that I started, I was going to church regularly as an adult and stuff, and going to a church here in LA and I mean it was a I would say a good experience going to going to church and having friends and stuff like that and it's hard to say what the story really is because I actually feel like it's two separate issues like one might be that I dated a guy who went to the same church as me and he ended up being abusive Mm -hmm. so there's that side to it and then there's the other side which is that later on I guess after I'd already left the church that I found out that the pastor had some beliefs about gender roles and some things that he was seemed really like passionate about that I just really disagree with and so I think those are actually like two different stories but sure yeah I I just feel so passionate about this because I feel like a lot of the stuff that the the way that gender roles are preached and the way that they're taught I think you know it has a lot of potential for abuse and when I say abuse I guess I mean actual abuse and also Mm -hmm. just uh like you were saying like the taking to extremes and 
to me, it was just so upsetting to learn that this church that I used to go to and, you know, was connected to in some way was teaching these gender roles that I feel like are so antiquated and so potentially uh, harmful. Yeah. So in your opinion, does church culture contribute to the perpetuation of abuse and protection of those abusers? So you're saying that they were preaching these doctrines or these Mm. belief systems or I remember correctly like it was a book series that or a book study that the whole church was going to do right so can you speak a little bit more about that how the church participates in this I I would love to hear in as far as much as you are comfortable sharing just like specific examples because I feel like that is better when you were grasping like you know abstract ideas but you pair them with actual personal story I feel like that's powerful can you speak to this Oh, yeah, it it does. It makes me very angry. But there's a specific book. It's called Love and Respect and written by, I can't really pronounce the name, Emerson Egricks, I think is his name. But anyway, this book, and I actually did read the book, but I was familiar with just those that particular, I guess, franchise for a long time. I started reading the book because I had heard that uh, my former church was, that hired a pastor who was really into this book. And I read the book and I just just lost it really and it was just so sexist like, like what about it yeah in what ways uh it's funny because it was like in, in some ways it was like sexist and it's almost like charming like old school like midwestern way or it's like your grandfather cracking <laughs> that like sexist joke like oh <laughs> women like they love to shop i don't know just oh yeah there's oh. a there's like that weird like you know just kind of it was almost funny yeah. But then I felt like the underlying belief system was just so abusive and harmful. And the premise of the book is that, you know, women need love and men need respect. And the, it turns out that, like, respect in this context basically means that men always needed to be in a higher hierarchically superior role to the woman in the marriage, mm. basically. And so it's like this built-in inequality. And so much of the book was about reinforcing that and about saying, like, if your marriage is going wrong, it's because you're not respecting him enough. Like, mm-hmm. are you res- are you respecting him? Are you- is your tone of voice respectful? Is the look on your face respectful? Uh-huh. Like, down to that kind of control of, like... What year was this written? I think it was, like, 2006 or something. I don't know. It was not wow. too okay. long ago. But so within a decade. Yeah, it was fairly mm-hmm. recent. And even though a lot of his advice and counsel is directed toward husbands as well... It, it just felt, you could still feel sort of, you know, this is a book written for women. You know, women are the ones who are worried about their marriages. They're the ones who are buying this book. And I felt like it was capitalizing on that fear and capitalizing on that sense that, you know, if your marriage is going wrong, you know, it's your fault. It's your responsibility mm. as a woman because if you respected him, mm. it, it wouldn't be like this. And I just feel like there's so much burden placed on women for relationships, especially marriage, and it really sets it up for an abusive dynamic where the husband in the relationship can can be like, well, you're just not respecting me enough. It doesn't set up with check and balance as well? Like, if it's for both men and women, did did it talk about men? How are you loving your wives? I just find it hard to believe that this book that was condoned by so many intelligent people living in the 21st century, that it's just so one-sided. Like, did it speak at all to, oh, like, yeah, men I, I did. love your women? It, it, it did. Like, you know, it did talk about, and that's the other interesting perspective, is it talks about men unconditionally loving their wives. I read some other stuff about the book that was saying that even that was sort of, in a way, enabling abuse in the opposite direction. Because the idea is, like, no matter how abusive your wife is to you, like, say, Mm. a lot of the descriptions in his book, you know, women are portrayed as, like, awful, (laughs) these awful harpies, Mm. almost. Like, they're just, like, yelling or being very verbally abusive, almost. And so the idea is, like, no matter how verbally abusive your wife is toward you, you have to unconditionally love her. And and I think, you know, that's probably true as well. I mean, I... I'm not saying that, I mean, obviously that also happens, like that abuse in the opposite direction obviously happens. Mm. And, and just, I don't know, just the way that he portrayed women as they're just like these awful people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it sounds like for both, yeah. like when you have a system that's set up that way, it's like, 
it kind of absolves either party of the responsibility to uh, actually like own up to their actions. Mm-hmm. Instead, you can just be like, oh no, like I've just got to fix some things internally, and like you know, we can just ignore the reality of the situation instead of actually like actually addressing it, mm-hmm. opening things up, discussing them. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that. It, it, to me, it's sort of this sort of this almost like Christian form of masochism. Mm, or yeah. if I'm suffering in my marriage, if my husband is abusive, my wife is abusive. Like this suffering. is just part of what it means to be godly. This is part of what mm. it means to be a Christian. Oh, and yeah. right. God will reward me in the end. And you're oh, like holding no, out for no, no. hope in heaven that you know, look at me. I my husband was abusive, but I was faithful to God, and I was you know I chose respect and. It, I think that really, to me, yeah, definitely enables abusive situations. And like you said, there really isn't like a checks, a check, checks and balances for that. I feel like hmm. because it is to it the is extreme cool. of like, yeah, if you respect your husband, like, and he's still abu- and he's still treating you badly, you know, and and it, it does mention, it does talk about abuse, you know, and basically saying that if if a man is evil, that he will abuse you no matter what the structure of the relationship is. So the idea is like if there's Equality in the relationship. If he's abusive, he's going to abuse you anyway. If if it's an in, un, inequality in the relationship, he's going to abuse you. But does I feel he like encourage them to leave. <laughs> I mean, does he say, "Please get out of it"? I mean, to our listeners, I'm just saying, if you are in an abusive relationship, please but leave it's it. True. I think a lot of Christians have that attitude, like stay no matter. Like I heard that critique of War Room. I didn't see it. Okay. But but did you see War Room? No, I didn't. <laughs> but but I heard that critique of it because basically, like, I mean, not that the man was abusive, but he was just like a bad husband. Like he was yeah. just well. There's emotional abuse as well, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. but he wasn't. He I just want to say. I mean, I don't even know if he was emotionally abusive because I didn't see it. But but as far as I understand, he was like cheating on her and like mm. not taking like taking for granted basically. Um, but the moral of the story seemed to be like, well, just pray like really really hard and. He'll convert. Oh, it's a whole other... Is <laughs> what seemed to be... You're not so, praying hard enough, yeah. Yeah, there does seem to be that um, yeah. subset of our culture, that of Christian culture, that it's just like, oh no, like we yeah. just need to, you know, I, pray I mean, some more. Yeah, I think the problem with the book is that he does talk about abuse kind of briefly, but I feel like because he gives these examples of, you know, one husband who like threw a plate at his wife... But uses like examples like that where it's like feels feels like clearly abusive behavior, and yet look at how it was redeemed by applying the principles of love and respect. I feel like that's a, so after she a got the plate message. thrown at her, she was <laughs> she like was like oh, but I respect you so much more now. And then they embraced, no, no. and then they ran no. off to the sunset. But that would be, <laughs> I mean, oh. because yeah, because he gives examples of what seems like an abusive situation, and like look how the husband turned it around, or look how the wife oh, turned it okay, around. Okay. Yeah, the husband yeah. turned it around. It just still feels like not, you're not clearly saying, like, you're, you know, like, if it's abusive, mm-hmm. you can leave. Like, that's okay. Protect yourself. And I've just seen so many examples, uh, you know, online, or even of, of people who are like, my husband's cheating on me. My husband is this. Mm. I'm not respecting him enough. Like, it automatically mm. goes to that shame that I think, I think it's a like lot of Christians somehow. have. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Christians have yeah. that shame of, like, I'm not good enough. You know, I need to please God. I need to make sure that God is pleased with me, that he's happy. And if I only did this, if I only read my Bible, if I only prayed more, then God would be happy and then he would love me. I feel like that shame that is so common just in Christianity in general can easily easily be applied to marriage. Mm. And to, if you think about it, marriage is supposed to be like this total relationship. Like this is the person you're supposed to be with forever. Like it's never supposed to end. And for women especially, it's sort of like this culmination of like your life as a woman almost. I know that's yeah. stupid, but it's like your reward. Like for... this is like marriage is it. And, yeah. then, and there's just like a total investment. And so if things go badly and especially I feel like my objection too to the book and to it being taught in church is that I feel like a lot of people don't wouldn't really know abuse if they saw it because I feel like it's so insidious and also can be very subtle, especially yes. at the beginning. If you've never experienced yes. it or if you've never seen it, I feel like you wouldn't even classify it as abuse until, you know, it's escalated to the point where there's a lot of damage that's been done in the relationship. How, how do you check for that? How do you, I don't know, what kind of safeguards do you do? If it, if it is insidious, if it is so subtle, how do you, in it, I mean, 
I think hopefully you have friends that can speak into your life and just talk to you about we we yeah. just recorded an episode about like red flags that would be definitely something mm-hmm. you know what what are your friends saying um, that are looking from the outside looking in yeah. that is hard because when you're in it and you're emotionally invested mm-hmm. it's really hard to to see outside of the box there because... and especially when your go-to place is blaming yourself yeah mm-hmm. if you're automatically and if this book, if you say, like, this book is saying, like, it, it makes you feel like everything is your fault. You just need to respect a little more. You have to love a little bit more. You're not being godly enough. And if you were, the relationship, it's like, it puts the onus on either party being perfect. It's, that's really not even biblical at all. Because mm-hmm. we're going to, we are going to mess up, but that doesn't excuse somebody to stay in something that is abusive, that is emotionally damaging. Yeah, and I it just I I don't know. Just to be clear, my problem with the book, and I don't I don't think it's an even-handed approach, but I feel like anytime you 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 institute this top-down hierarchical relationship, however you want to stand, understand that, where it's not equal, like the power is not equal, and every anytime you institute that and you say like this is what God wants, this is biblical, this is godly, like God, this is the one way to have a relationship, or this is the best way, and anytime you build that inequality into a relationship I feel like you are enabling abuse and you you need to take responsibility for that and you need to like you said have some kind of safeguard or just admit that you know what this is this structure this very like women and women are different but they're equal blah blah but (laughs) it's like that this structure in in itself is abusive Mm -hmm. and that's what I would argue personally I know that's probably extreme but I feel like the structure itself is abusive and to pretend otherwise is to just put this like Jesus face on Mm, (laughs) something that is not actually godly and is not actually biblical sorry that was my yeah oh no I'm curious a little bit what you you mean by that so Hmm. obviously we all believe that everyone is intrinsically equal and valuable yeah but when you say hierarchy yeah you're saying like the man traditionally is placed at like more power has more authority and more authority what what can you like what do you really mean about that like how would that be applied practically in a marriage for example so it's like i'm the man and i make all the decisions and i don't like what are you saying on a practical level on a practical level um Yeah. yeah i mean because I've, you know, I've been in the Christian church, I'm familiar with those types of relationships where it's like submission is, the word submission is used, and it's mm. like, he always gets the final word, so it's like, oh, we're deciding on a couch, you know, I like the okay. red one, and he likes the blue one, so, you know, final it comes down to it, we get the blue one or something, which mm. I, I feel like I've heard a lot of that, and... It's like he gets, somehow, it's like the you, final both, say. you both get a vote, but somehow he has, like, a vote and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's, it's like going back to like two thirds, or you get two thirds of a vote yeah. and then you get a full vote. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, yeah, which I feel like this the, the whole love and respect thing and the idea of complementarianism is more insidious than that because it, I don't know if they'd even say that kind of submission, but I feel like the idea that men need respect. And it, obviously it says that, like, women, everyone needs respect, you know, right, of right, course. Right, yeah. But the idea that men, like, really, really, really need respect is mm. definitely, and the and the examples of res- they give of respect is very much, like, putting the person above yourself or, or basically saying, like, I, not just, like, not just, like, good job on that, mm. on that uh, thing that you just did. It's, like, I admire you. Like, you're, you know how you're kind of, like, putting someone a little bit above yourself? Yeah. Like, you're saying, like, I admire you or, like... It, like the examples of respect are very much like how someone would treat someone like your boss or like I don't know like someone who you didn't have necessarily I feel like an equal relationship with and he uses the word contempt a lot which is huh. is sort of the opposite I guess mm. where you you're speaking to someone as if they're below you mm-hmm. and so the idea is that if you always speak to someone as if they are above you like maybe just a little bit above you then they're going to feel respected. They're going to, like, I'm, you know, you're, like, they're going to feel like a man. Like, I'm not a man unless you, like, build me up and, like, puff me up and make me feel like I'm a man, <laughs> which is, like, totally yeah. contradictory and, like, you know, like, so I, many ways. I have heard from psychologists that 
like subtly with like facial expressions if you see your partner expressing contempt which mm-hmm. is like your the sides of your mouth going a certain way like everybody can notice it like everybody knows it when you see it yeah um but like if you recognize just like any subtle signs of contempt that is the one sign that a relationship is going to fail like from a study that they did of uh, body language and lots of different mm-hmm. couples um because it is definitely a sign of disrespect but it's like on the other, so I totally get like how contempt would not be a good thing to have in a relationship. But <laughs> on either side, on the other side, yeah, on yeah. the other side too, it's like if you're getting all of your identity from something external, like if you cannot feel like you're fully a man without someone else praising you, then there's there's something, something wrong with you. so wrong <laughs> yeah. with that. <laughs> And it's yeah. like, we're just enabling, like, immaturity, basically, in that yeah, case. insecurity. Well, yeah. yeah, and I totally agree. And I think that if maybe if the his treatment of contempt were more balanced, maybe mm-hmm. I would... I wouldn't bring it, I'd bring it up as much, but I feel like because it's all, in the book, it's always women showing contempt for men. Mm. Always. Every single time. He, like, never uses that word to describe men. Men are always, like, I don't know, irritated, or I don't know what they are, but it, the, it's always used for women. Women are always sh- the ones showing contempt, and I feel like men show contempt for women all the time. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, you know, I... And it's... Yeah. This is hardly a, a promo for this book, but it's... it's <laughs> Because I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I risk against that just because obviously the love and respect has to be on both sides. Yeah. And it has to be equally on both sides. I mean, I happen and, you know, this is not a debate. I happen to be on, like, a more complementarian... Um, worldview just just in terms of like the father and the holy spirit and jesus they're all equal but they have different roles like i i see it more in that sense but this is not about that this is about like just straight up men being misogynistic and i'm curious about like the subtlety about what you're talking about like it's in our church it's in our culture and how do you recognize it like how do you really see it before it escalates to something abusive because yeah. I I'm yeah. more interested in like I don't ever want it to get into a place where we are alienating our women or our men for extremist thought yeah. which I don't think we're necessarily doing here but it's just how do you how do you look yeah. for those things I mean the well like the whole thing where you're saying with red, red flags to go back to that mm-hmm. I think that that's I think that obviously that's so great and so valuable but at the same time I feel like it's not like victim blaming necessarily, but it does sort of go back to like, well, why didn't you see this earlier? Why, why, how couldn't you tell that he was misogynistic at the beginning of the relationship, you know, when there are all these yeah. signs or maybe there weren't yeah. any signs. And I, and I feel like mm-hmm. because, like I said, abuse, I feel like can be very insidious and often at the beginning of abusive relationships, like it's literally the best relationship you've ever had. Yep. Like he treats you better than... yeah any guy has ever treated you he like worships the ground that you walk on mm-hmm. and and so like one of the red flags is like he worships the ground that you walk yes. on so it's like that yes. sucks talk about mixed messages right yes. like yes. talk about mixed messages so it's just i mean i feel like the red flags thing like i said is so important but at the same time it's like this is if it's a guy that goes to your church like you have mutual friends like he's so kind he's like nice to everyone he serves yep. he's like mm-hmm. one of the elders he serves on you know there's that's the thing it's like abuse and like appearance of righteousness or abuse and being a nice guy or abuse and like being friends with your friends like those things are not are not conflict they don't conflict yeah, like they're the same explicit. they're the same person and yeah. so it's like i feel like it's so easy to want like this one clear sign that this person is going to be abusive and and unless you ind- address the structural things that are at play mm. and the misogyny maybe within um whether it's yeah, um, certain types of gender roles or certain types of mm. beliefs like you're you're basically just sending people off with like well here's this book on 100 things to look out for good luck with that you know right but, you know if you if anything bad happens it's your fault but have fun and right, go out right. and date you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> unless you address the structural things i think you're you're basically just you know saying oh abuse happens great you know or not mm, not great yeah. but sorry you know uh, some people are evil like some yeah. sort of just it's a fault truism. of the system it's not a fault of the system it's a fault of the individual right if... like some people are just evil and I, yeah of course some people i totally i <laughs> i agree with that i mean 
I believe there's evil in the world. I'm a Christian for one thing, but yeah, I totally, I, right, I yeah. totally believe that. But at the same time, it's like, you don't just send your kid out the door being like, watch out for those evil people. You know, hopefully right. you try to change things to make them better, to make them less evil. Anyway. And like, ideally, everybody would be open to accountability as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, just going, like, for your example, the red flags, he worships the ground you walk on, and he he can be all of these checklist good guy things, but in the end, it's also, like, as Christians, I'm speaking specifically to Christians and believers, it's, well, for both of both parties, it's about where are you finding your identity first, and if it's in your partner and not in Christ, like, that would be the automatic hold on we have to work on things about the individual first mm-hmm. and and I do I, I want to kind of go back to this thing that you were saying about because I think it is important you know like people that look back on their relationships and, and see all the red flags in retrospect that always happens yeah. when you're in it I'm, obviously you're not in it and they were red flags it, you always talk about red flags in retrospect I don't even know where I'm going with that, but there, there's a lot of things to be said about like your community, and if your community is not supporting you in, or you allowing that for people to speak into your life. This yeah. is a different episode. This should have been in my red flags episode, but yeah. there's also like you not wanting to hear it from other people. Yeah, as that's well. what I mean about yeah. like ideally everyone is seeking to be held accountable, not just oh it might happen. But it, I was just reading the Book of Acts yesterday, and I was just like, wow, like. I feel like we are so far from where they were just in terms of how supportive as a community they were, but how willing they were to call each other out on stuff. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I totally agree. These are all great things like the red flags and having community and finding your identity in Christ. But I, I would stress my point, which is that we need to address the structural yeah. issues and inequalities in the church and that if that doesn't change, like it's not going to get better. And to give an example, I think that for especially if you're going to teach, like let's say complementarian gender roles, mm. I feel like there needs to be some some instruction or some resources about abuse. Mm. Like this is what an yeah. abusive relationship looks like. Right. This is what an abusive person sounds like. This mm. is how you address it. This is how you keep yourself safe. Like if you if you're gonna set up that kind of inequality, then you need to be like, you know what, you need to acknowledge that the potential for abuse is there and you need to educate people. And, you know, mm-hmm. don't just, in, a, in your sermon on Sunday, yeah, don't just be like, oh, if he's a, if, but if it's abuse, like it's okay to leave. Don't just say like one line. Like you need to say like, this is what abuse is. This is how it happens. This is what it looks like. I don't know about a sermon, but I just feel like if you don't do that, you're, you're basically, it's like a sexual harassment uh, <laughs> seminar yeah. for a workplace. Yeah. 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 But I would say, because you, you just said, like, if you're going to set up something like that, like inequality yeah. like that. Um, but I would, again, this is not a debate. I wouldn't necessarily call some structures inequality per se, just for the fact of, like, if we are all valued intrinsically the same, mm-hmm. there's... I think there has to be structural things. Like, for example, like the church, like you have, I don't know, the head pastor or the elder board or whatever, and then it filters down to the congregant. Like there's order, Mm -hmm. but I do agree that people can take those, even those things, and we've seen it throughout history, the church being abusive because they're taking power. power. Yeah. Yeah. But there's like a subtlety there too, I think. Like it's not about... um, taking power and abusing it. I think the conversation is really about um, how do we mutually respect and see what the Bible says and see how we can live our lives in love and community in harmony. But I also agree that we have to set up ways for us to talk about these things in safety. Yeah. Because it's easy to run away. And and I think that there there has been overlap where there's been a very extremely, like, complementarian gen- emphasis on complementarian gender roles so emphasis on that particular kind of relationship and then the church itself is abusive mm. like mm. the church itself is like the abusing itself. people yeah mm. like use like you said like using power for the wrong reasons and like harming people and 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 i i, I obviously they've seen that overlap and i think the thing with with you were saying like gender roles and power and stuff like I do think obviously there are systems and forms of power that are necessary and good like maybe parent the parent child mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. you know obviously there's all kinds of hierarchies 
But I would say the thing with that is that it's not eternal. It's not forever. It's mm. not that as long as we're in this relationship, I tell you what to do and you do it. You know, mm. like kids grow up and or let's say you have a job and your boss tells you what to do. You can leave the job. That's not a forever relationship. That's mm. not that's not something that's built into this lasting relationship. But in terms of like men and women, I feel like if you if you have marriage and it's like it's one thing like maybe they go into it and it's consensual and it's like, you know what, I really believe in complementary gender roles like me, too. But what happens if like, say, the wife in that relationship starts to question that say she's she's like, you know what, I don't know if I really buy into this anymore. I'm having some Mm. questions. I've been like praying or like reading the Bible. And I just feel like maybe Mm. I'd like our relationship to shift. Like if she doesn't have the freedom to say that or to do that or if Mm. he like. I don't know, comes down on her in some way. I feel like mm. that's not a healthy dy- healthy dynamic. That's not equality. And I would be uncomfortable with that. I'm not right. saying it would be necessarily turn into an abusive situation. Right. But if it's like she never has the ability to like say no to mm. a, a particular structure, then, yeah. I mean, I have an issue with that. Yeah. What's also, sure, what I, also I do too. really strikes yeah. me is, is like within the structure, it seems like, there's no room for compromise on the man's part, it seems like. Like, it's because, you know, because, like, the verses that Paul was citing, like, and, like, Christ is the head of the church, and so the husband must be the head of the wife and whatever. In all decision-making or in all leadership roles, like, the very best leaders are able to adapt their style and to give up some of what they would want, and, like, that's what, ideally, a marriage should be, you know, and, yeah, and so it it seems like that essential part of it is not really included in the discussion when you're talking about complementary and generals. Well, I would say that the part of, uh, men and women belong to one another, like, so the man serves the woman, the woman serves the man equally and in complement to one another, Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I don't... Yes, I do believe that all like those sorts of um, relationships exist where there is no the man says this and that. Like I find problem with that totally. I would hope that in my marriage it would be this very thing of we can talk about it. I think it's more of an issue about the freedom and the safety of clear communication with one another and feeling safe with your partner to do that and to know that you're respected well enough on both sides mm-hmm. to, to say, I'm being heard and I know you love me. If there's conflict to have conflict resolution that is harmonious. Mm-hmm. That's, of course, ideal. I believe that I'm walking into a marriage in that way, even though we are traditionally um, complementarianists. But I do, oh man, I do sympathize though. If you are set up with this structure and there's no wiggle room, that's a problem. If you don't have any say, there of course is going to be instances of abuse in different iterations of different couples in different contexts. Can I just ask like what complementarianism looks like to you? I'm just curious because I... Yeah, no problem. Um, it's funny because when we interviewed Paul, that was my first question. I was like, I think traditionally we're we're these things, but what does that really mean? <laughs> um, I don't want to spend too much time because I, you know, this is not necessarily what this episode is particularly about. But it's basically seeing the structure of a marriage as God would see of a church, where you know God and Jesus like is ultimately the head, and the church comes up behind them. And when you say submission, it's like coming up behind the mission of the family in general the man yes is the head but I see that more of like we're equal we have equal say and if there's like a tiebreaker to be had I don't necessarily see Derek specifically being like I said it and like that's going to be the word but like we come together in discussion and communication and compromise with one another and we are equally being respecting respectful of each other's opinions yes but in the end, I need to trust that if he can make a decision for our family and be the leader of our family, but not without my input, not without us discussing things, you know. So I'm not sure that yeah. answered. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't you know honestly I I don't trust anyone who. Uh, <laughs> I guess I would say who's like hard line on any kind of right. specific structure to a relationship, especially one that I perceive to be as unequal in terms of power. Like that just. To me, that's a red flag. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of red flags. To me, that would be a red flag. And 
why it's i don't know i almost want to turn it back on them and be like why is this so important to you to have this particular hierarchical structure and i don't know because i feel like men and women you know we're it's like you're both the adult in the relationship Mm -hmm. and i feel like relationships where one person is the adult one person the child are not healthy and they're not (laughs) great Mm -hmm. they're not really like great relationships and it's just i don't know to me it's like it just just having this whole thing and having this this sort of inequality um sort of built into an idea of christianity would be like just walking into church and and have hearing them be like you know what um we're all equal but you know black people they need to like do this particular thing and they can't do this because we're equal but i mean that's just the way it is i I mean i just to me i don't i don't see like a huge difference obviously like slavery and (laughs) <laughs> the inequality and the structural inequality right. is is different in terms of that particular like racism versus sexism but it just doesn't make any sense to me I don't understand sure. it and I, I don't I, I feel like I don't feel like it's biblical I don't feel like it's Christian I, I feel like it's anti-Christian mm-hmm. uh, and that's so that's that's a that's my perspective. That's pretty yeah, extreme. Absolutely. But... Thank you. Well, for yeah, I mean, like my question, and I brought this up with Paul because yeah. his defense basically was like, well, you know, I trust in God, I trust in God's word, I trust that scripture is God's word, and this is what the Bible has to say about it. And so even though it's hard, this is what I have to conform to. And I was like, yeah, but like there's so many things in the Bible that you aren't, that you're just ignoring. But, like, people like are... part about slavery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, when it comes down to it, you can use the Bible to defend, like, a lot of stuff. And, right. you know, and he even cited, like, oh, this one this one verse is used a lot for complementarianism about, you know, about that structure. And then, like, but the passage, the whole passage about head coverings, it's like, well, nobody wears head coverings. So it's like, why right. is the first half of this passage important enough that this is how we need to live our lives and form our relationships but like we totally ignore the second half of it right and And it doesn't that's what doesn't make sense to me because it's like okay yeah i understand your logic like if you know scripture is this is how we should totally form all of our relationships and live all of our lives okay great but then like you're totally still picking and choosing well this is a whole other conversation i would i would argue against that i would argue against like the picking and choosing but it's a whole other thing about like how do we interpret the bible which of course this is like stemming from all of this right like how we each are in reading the bible interpreting it and taking things into different contexts culturally societally whatever <laughs> whole different topic but um but fascinating <laughs> but i think but no yeah, i think it's but related it's relevant, but, but that's relevant, why yeah. that's why this is not a debate among catholics because like like catholics have never even heard the words egalitarianism and complementarianism like it's just not <laughs> a debate like for us it's yeah. just not it just doesn't even it's i don't know like we just don't even think about it all that much mm-hmm. um and so that's what's really fascinating but but it, it stems from like what the bible is and how are we interpreting the bible and like Catholics tend to see the Bible much more in the cultural context in which it was written rather than like, oh, I'm going to take a verse and I'm going to isolate it and I'm just going to assume that literally that's what it means for my life right now. Mm. Not all Protestants <laughs> don't All Protestants don't not, do I'm not saying too. all Protestants yeah. do. I'm just saying it's a Protestant thing that happens a lot, you know, like... <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah. That's the problem I have with the book is I feel like it does literally take, like, one verse and, like extrapolates well, that that's to an entire red flag. Yeah. yeah, a red flag. Yeah, yeah. it takes extrapolates to an entire system of like, like whenever you, you separate it from context, this is how you're married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, this is a great segue to this question of like, so why do you think feminism is so scary to many people in the church, um, and how can we as a church do better to lift women up and hold men accountable? I guess I, well, I feel like I should say that I, I feel like feminism is for men and women, and that <laughs> Marshall will agree with you. In terms of gender roles and in terms of all that stuff, I feel like it can be very restrictive for a man to feel like he has to fit into a certain idea of what it means to be a man or what it means to be a Christian man, even. And I, I, I can't speak to that personally. I've never had that experience. <laughs> Never been a man. Never so been a I man. Can't. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, that's it's it does it's a little mind boggling to me because 
you know, we all live in Los Angeles, which I feel like is a very, in some ways, a very liberal city. Uh Uh-huh. And it, and yet you go to some of the churches here and it's like, everyone there is like young and hip and works in the film industry or they're an artist, they're a musician, you know. They, They dress like, Hipsters. Yeah, they're just, exactly. They're mm-hmm. hipsters. They, they're, they're like some of the most beautiful people in the world That's, because they're yeah. actors, they're actresses. And, but yet, it, it seems so like vibrant, so young, and so like progressive. But then you, you get down to the nitty gritty and, and they're like, you know, complementarianism is really, like, really important to us. And you're just like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand that. I don't, I don't get that because to me it's so regressive and so not yeah just not what I would think of if you're go to a church where it looks like it's all like 20 and 30 somethings and they you know they're dating and they have families and and uh as far as why the church is afraid of it I feel like you know it does I feel like it has to do with power and 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 like you were saying that idea that certainty you know wanting to have that certainty in a very uncertain world where everything is seems very chaotic and very uh you don't know what to believe and you don't know what to think. And I, I need certainty. I need to know that I'm doing the right thing. I need to know that I'm dating in the right way or I'm being, I'm being married in the right way or that I'm a good Christian and wanting that certainty. And I think that's probably really hard to let go of. Hmm. What are some beliefs or practices that need to change? And you know, I know that there's a lot of them that we can yeah. talk about, but maybe just some top two or three that you think like, these are the things that we really need to talk about and address in the church specifically. Yeah. And I think I'm coming from a perspective where I'm, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm really like buying into like evangelical Christianity anymore, just Mm -hmm. in general, like you're Mm -hmm. Catholic, but (laughs) it's like, yeah, it's not a secret. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Well, it's like my Catholic friends, I feel like it's hard to, they're like, they don't even understand like what I'm talking about because they're like, what, is that a thing? But, well, um, but my dad, I mean, yeah. my dad's a pastor. Okay. My dad, yeah, my dad's a Methodist pastor, so I like, I'm fluent in Protestant. Okay, so, great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> my stepmom is too, actually. They're both ordained ministers. So. <laughs> yeah. Equality. Yeah. Equality, yeah. But it's like, I, I feel like, I I don't know. It's like, that's, a, that's the thing. It's like, I, t- I feel like I take this so personally. It's like, because mm. it makes me so incredibly angry mm. and at the same time it's like well why don't you just leave why don't you just say you know what this isn't for me people do it all the time they say you know what mm. i'm gonna become mainline protestant i'm gonna like mm. go to this quaker church you know <laughs> it's like you do that it's, yeah but i'm like culturally i'm so embedded within that world of evangelical christianity and that's that how you grow up it feels with, personal right? yeah yeah that's what it feels personal and it, i feel like it's I mean, I could just be like, you know, screw you, screw this whole mm. thing, and I'm going to just pretend that it doesn't exist. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I I struggle with, am I speaking as an insider or am I speaking as an outsider? Because I feel like those are two totally different perspectives. As an insider, I would say that um, there needs to be, you need to talk about abuse, you need to talk about domestic violence, because mm-hmm. it's statistically in any church, in any given congregation, there are going to be people there who are uh, either being abused or who are abusers. So you need to talk about domestic violence and definitely not pretend that because we're Christians that we don't do this oh, or yeah. we're above this. Like, we nope. need, you need to talk about mm-hmm. that. I feel like we need to talk about racism and we need to talk, need to talk about structural inequalities within society and that there needs, instead of being a sense of like, oh, we've transcended that or like, because we're all, we're all Christians, we're all equal, Therefore, like, racism isn't an issue in this church. Like, we need to acknowledge it. We need to address it, talk about it, have open dialogues about that. And then I would say that if you're going to have any kind of, like, premarital counseling or education, that I feel like uh, talking about abuse should be part of that. Or talking about maybe the nitty-gritty of gender roles and how that plays out. Hmm. And so, yeah, I, I imagine that there needs to be some kind of education there and I, I don't know I don't maybe there's something just feeling that because we're Christian we're all Christians here like we're not going to mistreat each other mm-hmm. like we're not going to do anything you know this whole podcast other. is about <laughs> Christians not being Christians 
And, yeah, but I mean, yeah. I feel like there's that belief sometimes, especially for me growing up, the sense that like if you just do it right, if you just like date only, if you, if you just date only Christians, if mm-hmm. you uh, if you don't have sex before marriage, if you follow all these rules, like you're going to be safe, you're going to be protected, mm-hmm. your heart's not going to be broken or whatever. And and I just feel like as Christians, we need to acknowledge that you know that's not true. That the people are are fallible, obviously, and and I think promoting the fact that there are other safe spaces other than churches and that people shouldn't mm-hmm. turn to church as the only possible safe space. Yes. And they shouldn't turn to church as like the only place where I'm going to belong or the only place I'm going to be accepted. Mm. Like I feel like there needs to be more overlap with other parts of society and organizations where it's like, you know what, safety happens in a lot of different spaces and we, as Christians, we shouldn't pretend that like, this is your family, you know, this is, these are the only people that are really going to understand you and, Mm. you know, the only people that you can turn to for help because like what happens if that goes badly, you know, and churches, the church becomes abusive or whatever, like that person is going to feel forsaken, not only by this group of people, of course, who are imperfect, but also by God, I feel like, because Mm, if you equate that, you're like, I feel like you're setting, setting people up for just disappointment and Mm. hurt and hurt yeah so what do you so this book love and respect what is the author's kind of perspective about unconditional love unconditional respect because it kind of sounds like you need to love your man no matter what i brisk against that i you know i have I do get that you need to res- like give respect where respect is due. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, however, I also think that you, as the receiving end, also need to be held accountable to like actually earning that respect. Mm-hmm. And that I mean, to be clear, it's not like you have to earn respect for me to give respect. I just feel like it needs to be both sides trying to be just good yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> and. It- yeah, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, to, to me, the idea that in the book where he talks about respect, but it's like this idea of like unconditional respect, I feel like that's the most abusive concept that he talks about, that he writes about, because mm. it, because it, it's not just respect. Like you're saying, you know, like I can respect you as a human being, like even if you make me really angry, even if you mistreat me, even if you call me names, like I can still respect respect you you know as a person but when he talks about unconditional respect he doesn't mean that he means like i need to you need to unconditionally respect your husband in such a way that he is the superior in the relationship so it's it's this idea of like no matter how he treats you you need to unconditionally i don't know it's so weird because it's like it, it i feel like it puts women in these weird spaces where it's like my husband just cheated on me, but I need to make sure that he still knows that I respect him. So I need to find something. So it's like, okay, you cheated on me and I'm hurt and I'm obviously like really devastated, but I need to like talk to you about how great of a provider you are because if you don't feel respected, then I'm not like pulling my end of the relationship. I just, it's just so weird to me, this idea of unconditional respect, because I feel like in any other sphere of life, it would be so obviously abusive you know, yeah. if, if, if anyone had like a boss or anyone in a position of authority over them or or like a friend or so anyone who was who, who told them, you know, you need to unconditionally respect me. I feel like that's such an obvious red flag and so yeah. obviously abusive. But yet in this book, he kind of takes this idea of respect and twists it into un- to be unconditional because, oh, well, if love is unconditional, then respect on the other side needs to be unconditional, too. But I feel like these are totally not the same concepts. Like you can love someone and. They, you don't need to feel like you need to, they, that, like, oh, like, you're better than me or superior or, like, you're in this, I need to make sure that no matter how you treat me that you feel like this, these roles are maintained. Like, no matter what, like, you're still the husband, so I still respect you or I still, like, see you as, you know, a good man. Or, like, I need to make sure that you still feel good about that position in our relationship no matter what you do. So it's, like... It's, it's so, I don't know, to me it doesn't make any sense. It sounds like unbalanced. Unconditional respect, because it's like, it's one thing for him to be, be like, it's balanced because, oh, the husband needs to love his wife, you know, no matter what. But, like, the idea of respect, I feel like, is is not the same as love. Like, 
you know, it's, it doesn't say in the Bible, like, love one another. It doesn't say, like, respect one another as I have respected you, you know? Especially it's not that, in that sense of respect, you know? Exactly, yeah. yeah. God's not like, worship me no yeah. matter what, like, because that's not love, right. you know? Love is not, no matter what I do, you need to, like, respect me. Like, no one who loves you would ever say that, I feel right. like. And that's, or like, need to say that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's abusive. And, you know, one of the things I've written about is the fact that the daughter of the author of this book, you know, she writes about, she has a website, she wrote about like being in an abusive relationship where the guy would constantly be like, you're not respecting me, you're not respecting me. So he was like using that idea of respect Mm. to control her. Mm. And of course she like grew up, you know, her dad wrote Love and Respect. So of course she's very like susceptible to be like questioning herself. Am I respecting him? Am I respecting this person I'm, I'm dating that I'm not even married to yet? And so I feel like to me, that's so destructive, that idea of like unconditional respect and, and like, I don't know, like, it, it's just like, how can you demand unconditional respect from anyone, you know? Yeah. And it's, it, it just doesn't make sense, but it's like, I feel like it puts women, like I said, in this position and puts the burden on them of like, no matter what he does to me, no matter if he abuses me, like, what am I doing to respect him? And it's like, if someone's abusing you, like, who cares if you respect them? Like, get the F out of there. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. remove yourself from the situation. And like, does he never <laughs> bring that up ever? What, like, what? Does, does the author ever bring up getting out or seeking help and leaving in I, any sense? I think it, I, you know, I think he sort of does. But even then, he sort of, like, refers it to this outside authority till it's like, okay, well if your husband is being abusive or whatever, you know, obviously like you refer to another authority, like you refer to the church, you refer to the pastor. And I feel like, I mean, that, not that that's bad, but it's like, what about the woman's own internal authority where it's like, I'm a human being, yeah. I'm worthy of being treated. The self-respect. Treat- right? Yes, right. Self-respect. <laughs> I'm worthy yeah. of being treated in a way that like, I have worth, I have value, like God loves me and like, I'm getting out and like, you can't treat me this way. This is not okay. Yeah. You know, it's like, I feel like he never has an example of a woman ever doing that, ever like standing up for herself and saying like, this is not acceptable. Like, I know we're married, blah, 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 whatever. But it's like, no, you know, this is not okay. And it's it, at that point, it's not about respect, but it's like sort of somehow this author turns everything into being about respect in some way. So hmm. it's like, I feel like just weird and twisted and kind of like, you see these women who are are wondering like their husband's cheating on them like i said or he's like basically like treating them like awfully and they're like wondering like even in this situation how do i show respect to my husband it's like you know just but the, you know it's weird because, what about self-preservation yeah <laughs> it, it sounds also like a very twisted concept of respect even in general like a very like yeah. i would have a problem with the definition that he's using probably respect and i don't know what definition but just it just sounds like it, it for respect, what he actually means is like feeding someone's ego. Is or what it's acknowledging rather, like acknowledging power over yeah, yeah. Self, or, or mm-hmm. over yourself rather yeah. than recognizing their value as a human and their gifts or because that's what I when you say respect that's what I would think like oh you you build someone up you're recognizing what they bring to the world and their unique gifts and. Um, and how they can put those gifts to use. Because I do believe, like, men do have a drive to, like, be leaders. And, you know, they do, like, be they do, like, you know, succeeding and being admired. And they put a lot of their self-worth in succeeding yeah. with, you know, like, their career and, like, a lot of that stuff. And I do think it's important to recognize that and, like, recognize what masculine identity yeah. means and everything like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean... Yeah, it's it's a form of respect in which like you need to diminish yourself. Right, you know? exactly. It's like it's not just how do I make it's not like I'm making the other person feel good or like giving them a compliment or saying like you're great, I love you, you know, thank you for providing for our family. It's, it's like I am it's, less than. It's like you're you're putting yourself down and you're saying like you're diminishing yourself, even yeah. to the point of like con- the way that you like control your facial expressions or you mm. control the tone of your voice because if I raise my voice like that's disrespectful. You know, and it's, mm. and, and he can be like, well, I'm not going to listen to you because you just raise your voice at me. So you're not being respectful. Therefore, you know, I don't even have to like consider what you said kind of thing. Anyway, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's something I think, I feel like you're right. It's like, there's different kinds of respect and respect is not necessarily what, like, I need to be less. Yeah. I need to, I need to be like, 
lower than you. I need to be lesser than you for you to feel respected. That's yeah. not really respect. Right. Really. Yeah. And that's not how God yeah, like, loves us <laughs> either, you know. Well, that's not even how we're necessarily made. Like, you yeah. talk about the garden and Adam and Eve. I don't want to get into this because that's not that's not what it was about. But C.S. Lewis, um, as you were speaking about, like, this whole idea of diminishing yourself, I mean, humility... Right. This it's is not thinking of yourself, or is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yeah, which, like anything, can be again abused and and twisted. But C.S. Lewis got it right because it's not about me seeing myself as less, but it's thinking about like serving others more. But I I don't like that. There's no congruency with what you're saying with what this author is saying about respect. It's it's not. I want to take care of, like, I want us to take care of each other equally. It's, I'm a man, you respect me no matter what. Like, that, you know, I haven't read the book, so I can't obviously really speak to it, but just as you're talking, I'm like, no, this is <laughs> not okay. That is... Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I do, yeah, I definitely think that unconditional respect is an abusive concept at its core, and and, and it really has nothing to do with the Bible, where it nowhere says anything about unconditional yeah. respect. And there, and also, like, I feel like there's so many relationships in the Bible that contradict that as well. Yeah. You know, where, like, the the lesser than, quote-unquote, I mean, like, even Jesus' last shall be first, you know, like, comes and, like, all the prophets or whatever, they just, like, wander in and they're like, no, like, king, <laughs> you're wrong, you know? <laughs> it's all about upsetting power. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's true. Like, it's not, I feel like it's not about... I don't know, it's, it's almost like it took this idea of love and twisted it to be about, like, basically power. You yeah. know, how can this one person in the relationship always maintain power no matter what? And I feel like that's has nothing to do with love. and <laughs> has nothing yeah. to do with, like, men or women or how they relate to each other. And it's it's just, it's harmful and destructive. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, in the end, it's, <laughs> as Christians, we do believe that God is the head of all of us. Yeah. I think we need to take that perspective mm-hmm. into our relationship. Like, in the end, I I love, you know, my partner, but I love God first. And mm-hmm. I think in the end, that's really where we need to focus. And, you know, there's the minutia of who gets more power and all of that. And, like, society and culture is going to dictate that throughout history, certainly. But mm-hmm. as believers, the thing that stays the same is Jesus and we need to remember that. I mean, even as, like, when we're getting into very heated discussions, in the end, that's where yeah. we need to... And, and But I just, I, I guess I just want to add that, like, not to contradict in any way what you're oh, saying, no, but no, no. <laughs> just speaking for myself and sure. just because, like, I grew up as a Christian, you know, and was taught that God is love doesn't mean that I've always, you know, had that kind of relationship with God where, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't feel like he was always, like, condemning me, honestly, and... And it's only recently, you know, you know, ta- I was talking to someone who wasn't, you know, who's not a Christian and talking about like some of my, I guess, some of my belief, not my beliefs, but, you know, just things that I believe. And she was like, you know, that's not love, mm-hmm. you know, God, God is not abusive, but I feel like sometimes we can grow up and we can just because of our background, our history, maybe like our parents or whatever it is, we can feel like God is is judging us, is condemning us, Mm -hmm. is, you know, is always, why aren't you doing this? You know, if you only did this, then I would love you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so Mm -hmm. easy. And, you know, no matter how many songs that I sing or how many times I hear that God loves me, like, I can still have that Mm -hmm. feeling and that perception. And so I just feel like that's why it can be so harmful, because if there's these Christian doctrines that sort of feed into that already sort of abusive dynamic that's not god you know because god would never say that you know he'd never be like Hmm. why are you you know never say anything like that but if if there's these christian christian things that are sort of mimicking the voice in your head that you think is god or mimicking that sort of sense of almost only just like a sense of judgment like Mm. it can be so destructive well i think anytime we try to fit God into the box of our human interactions or mm, like yeah. our ideas you know God goes so far beyond what we can comprehend and yes. so whenever we try to use human struggles or you know human 
things to define him, that's where we're going to automatically go wrong. Yeah. 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 Well, tell us about your podcast. So I'm starting a podcast. The first episodes are about consent. That's important. Wow, yeah. And well, what what is your podcast called? I actually don't have a name. It was gonna be a uh, awkward Christian dating, but I guess it's yeah. I'm changing it. So oh, okay, that's a fun that's a fun name. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like that. Name. Yeah. Although when you if your first episode is about consent, I'm like that, that's a little beyond awkward. Yeah, it's a little just... awkward. Mm. So yeah, so it's. I think it's going to be more broad than maybe just like about Christian dating. So yeah, it's it's about dating and my first episode is about consent. And I think uh, it's a really important topic to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited. I feel like it's, it's that thing too where it's like I feel like I'm sort of like on the edge of Christianity where it's like I'm a Christian mm-hmm. but like all those mm-hmm. things that go after that. But yeah, it's uh, hoping to do more interviews and talk to more people and sweet when can we uh expect to see you come out with it and hopefully by the end of the month yeah we'll definitely put it on ours oh thank you yeah yeah thanks sweet and thank you guys for doing this podcast i think it's great no thank you for the open dialogue like it's just you know we obviously this podcast is about everybody's stories so anybody from any walk of life i mean obviously you know we are dealing with Christians and post-Christian culture, but, you know, we have people like Marshall, and, you know, we have people that are on just to talk about their stories in general, because I feel like something like love, or dating, or marriage, or singleness, and sex, and chastity, like, all of those things are universal, <laughs> and everything about those sort of topics, I think anybody can kind of get embarred with, so thank you so much for just being here and talking to us. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, our audience, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men and on Twitter as LA Gone Fishing. We are also on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There's an underscore between each word. Please rate and make comments on iTunes. It's really helpful for other people to find us. Uh, this has been episode 24, The Christian Feminist with Maylin Too. I'm Laura Samara. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming.